We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Wow, what a weekend. Lakers go into the best home team in the NBA's gym, the third best defensive team in the NBA, put up 128 points and get a win where they pull away at the end. Wishing good health to John Morant ahead of game two on Wednesday. The Lakers, (laughs) Rui Hachimura led the Lakers in scoring with a Lakers playoff record tying 29 points off the bench. Austin Reeves completely takes over down the stretch. Oh, yeah. Anthony Davis has 10 stocks and just warps the game on defense. LeBron James just kind of fits in and gets some good rebounds, but wasn't a huge part of the the central parts of the the game, Mike. Just an extraordinary win from the Lakers. I would love to hear your view from the ground. Oh, it's a a massive win. It's not only just to, to sort of solidify the momentum that I think the Lakers have been building that may have looked like it waned a little bit in that Clippers loss or the Wolves loss, but as Darius adroitly pointed out in his preview, You know, those I think were really just victims of time uh, and the Wolves game being the eighth and 14 days and the Clippers the third and four nights. Like when when this group has had just a proper normal rest, uh, they've been pretty damn good. And I think that so A.D. to me is we'll get to Austin and Rui were um, incredible. But A.D. to me in the arena was just an absolute force of nature. And I think that. You know, when you get a chance to watch that live, I'm curious what it looked like on the TV, and I'm going to get a chance to watch that later um, once the game loads on Lee Pass. Like, he, the amount of space that he's able to occupy and shut down, not just with the seven blocks, but he he just took out the whole area that Ja likes to get to and yep. that Ja operates from. Ja hit three straight jumpers in the fourth quarter to, to get his, his line actually was pretty good in terms of efficiency. He was eight for 14. But the fact that he only got 14 shots off um, and the fact that he had six turnovers to two assists, um, they and I think that A.D. wasn't it wasn't all him like Vando did a really good job tracking him. And but a lot of that, I think, was just was just Davis. And he was so he just covered so much ground um, that that it meant the other Lakers just had to kind of follow the game plan. 
because he is the game plan. And I saw one of the Lakers uh, analytics guys um, send me a stat. So eight, the Grizzlies shot 31% on paint shots with AD as the closest defender and 68% on all of their other paint shots. That's a lot. Wow. That's, that's a, and that to me is the game. Like now it, Rui and Austin, if they don't do what they did, where I think they combined to miss one shot in the second half <laughs> right? and things end up being tighter, certainly. Um, and, but that to me, it's, it's those two things. It's like to start um, AD just being ridiculous. And then um, a couple of role players really stepping up uh, and lifting the offense. Anthony Davis, Anthony Davis. One of the things that I was trying to get to, like in my preview a little bit, and I don't even know if I captured it well enough. Um, in fact, I know that I didn't. Is AD is one of those dudes who is the great player who in the playoffs is better. Yes, he's he's better. And so for all the oh, well, he, well Anthony Davis, he could he could be a top 10 player in the game or he's he when he's playing his best basketball, he could be an MVP candidate and you don't or say. a top five player. And all of that's 100 percent. These things are said as as though they're compliments. Right. But like it's it undersells how good he is. But in the playoffs. Yeah. In the playoffs, there are few players in the league because in a game where the the rim doesn't change heights. It's not one of those carnival games where it's moving left to right or up and down or backwards and forwards. It stands there. Oh, the ones with those damn bouncy rims when you think yes. you have that nice that nice shot with the arc and then it's just yeah. bang. Yeah. yeah, no stuffed edibles for you, right, Mike? So <laughs> the basket doesn't move like that. It's 10 feet high. And it's why women, it's why Wembenyama is such a prospect. And, and it's why every single time there's a generational big man potentially that's in the draft, that dude's gonna go number one, pretty much. And AD was the number one pick overall for basically for that reason. They thought he could be the, the next Tim Duncan. And so, Pete, that idea of what AD always rested his hat on most wasn't the fact that he could be the number seven or eight or nine scorer all time in playoff history in terms of points, points per game. It's the fact that he is, when he's at his best, the best defensive player in the league. All credit due to all of these other guys. Jaron Jackson's going to win the award this year for defensive player of the year. Giannis is up there every single season. No one, I don't think, is as well-rounded and as great defensively as Anthony Davis. And he showed that in this game. Mike, there's, when you said like that whole area around him, it is. It's like when a nuclear bomb goes off and there's this blast radius and AD is that bomb. He, he creates the blast radius where there is this circle around him that if you get Within that range, he is impacting you, and you know that he is there. And on the broadcast, Pete, Jeff Ed Gundy sort of chuckled or like he was sort of confused at one time because he said, and this isn't a quote, but this was basically the point, like Memphis continues to try to attack Anthony Davis one-on-one. -on -one. That is the wrong idea, but... Really, that goes back to Mike's point about following the game plan because the rest of the Lakers were following the game plan and it made it so that Memphis had to try to score against Anthony Davis over and over and over again. And that 
was not happening, Pete. And that to me was sort of the key. That was the biggest key to the game. It's not necessarily why they won because all of those other factors contributed to why they won. But the well, biggest key the series, to the game was series, Anthony right? Davis. Into the matchup, yes. right? Yes. Yeah. And, yeah. and so ADP, he's the only defensive player that is both an elite rim protector and an elite switch guy out on the perimeter. And so that whole thing that Van Gundy said, you know, you're trying to attack Anthony Davis. That's the wrong idea. It's the exact right idea for the Lakers. Right. If all if we can create defensive circumstances where all roads lead to Anthony Davis, we're going to be all right, especially when you've got the small defender in, in Dennis, a good defender in Austin. Right. A smart one in D'Lo, who at least knows where to be. Rui's got some size. Vando is the big athlete. You have different defensive tools at other places. I'm concerned. We'll get more about our interior defense, particularly when AD is off of the floor. And I think we saw we got hurt a bit in those minutes to, to Tonight. I think we'll talk more about the going forward in the next the next two pods. But AD's ability defensively to be elite, elite in both places, Mike, allow him to address whatever your biggest defensive problem is. Anthony Davis can go cover it. It's one of your options. And when you get into playoff basketball, especially, that's where series start to go as teams start figuring out, oh, you can't guard this. Like we can get this over and over and over again. And that's when you start seeing guys get pulled from the rotation altogether because that weakness really gets attacked. AD is the opposite of that. He can address whatever other teams, an opposing team's strength is in a way, whether it's on the perimeter or on the interior, in a way that is different really than anybody else. So let me, if I can just contextualize a little bit uh, from, you know, from being in the locker room and listening to everybody speak post game and, and just being here in Memphis now until Wednesday. And then I'd love to get back to your guys' uh, you know, really diving into some of the nitty-gritty of the game. It's just a it's a huge thing to win game one on the road uh in this context. Because so the the way that the Lakers feel now, like the way that they're the confidence that is building, you know, sort of the the confirmation that they have of what this team is now since the trade deadline. That was not really going to be able to happen until they had a, a big postseason win. Um, and that's what this was. Like Memphis, the building was rocking. Memphis came out fast, aggressive. I thought the Lakers matched the energy. And, you know, we just talked about the biggest reason why they end up getting a win. But now looking at what this winning this game does in the series. So the Lakers have home, home court advantage now. Um, at worst, they go back 1-1. Ja right now looks doubtful. I shouldn't say doubtful. Looks questionable, certainly, to play in the next game. Uh, they're... He he didn't seem too confident um, in some quotes that I saw from Tim, uh, Tim McMahon at ESPN. And so the Lakers now have this proof of concept in a hostile environment, in a postseason setting. I think they have plenty of guys that feel like th- they are worthy of playing on that stage and could have played more. Austin could have played a little more. Dennis could have played a little bit more. I'm sure that even though Troy and Malik didn't make a big impact, they both feel like they could be on the floor more. Uh, Rui Hachimura is going to play this much. He played 30 minutes damn near. And and so they've uh, like LeBron only played 34 minutes. They didn't stretch him. Um, and like there are even AD, like AD played 36 minutes. They didn't, this wasn't a fourth quarter mm-hmm. where Darvin said, no, this is have to win this game. Now we're in this position. He sat him. Uh, but I, whereas I thought he probably could have left him on the floor. And I know we're, we're going to talk about those units, right? When he's not on the floor, but now the Lakers are here in Memphis. They're home relaxing tonight. Tomorrow they have a day off to just kind of get their bodies right. 
Then they have Tuesday for a, a whole prep day. Usually that's the day where you play the next game and the other it's the other mm-hmm. team's get back game. It's the, okay, you beat us in round one. Now here's here's the full um, package. You know, here's the, if, if you're Ryu in Street Fighter 2, Darius ducked me, but you're doing the Ayukin, you're doing the Sasuke Yukin, you're doing the, the Hurricane Kick. Like, all the moves are coming out that game. <laughs> now, instead of that game having to be on Tuesday, the Lakers get to kind of reset and, and build their own aggression leading into Wednesday's game and try to go back to Los Angeles up 2-0 with a crazy, rabid Laker crowd that is going to be very excited to have them coming back in the building with a road victory, not coming back having to win the game because of all the pressure. So as I kick it back to you now, Pete, I just I wanted to try and like there's this there's a, a groundswell, right, that starts with a win like this on the playoffs. If you lose that game in any way, then all of the pressure comes back to you and you have to throw the full kitchen sink in a different way in game two. And I just, I wanted to make sure to emphasize that point because it's, it's the place that you want to be. If you're the Lakers, you sound fired up, man. Like it's in your, you're talking with your hands and like just the, the tone of your voice, man, you seem, it was was because I knew I was going to make the street fighter analogy. And I knew that Darius was, was going to you know come back and say he didn't actually duck me. And so the, yeah, it was just, that's, that's when I really got, got into it. it. It's, it's awesome to hear. And I think that it's reflective of the team's capability they controlled the majority of that game there are a couple of stretches where we were flat out bad that we don't have to be as bad as we were uh in and of course like austin and and Rui are not going to combine to shoot that most likely but one of the things about a team like this is it can be a delo another night who after a bad first shift i thought really recovered well and i think that it's funny his bad games are still solid in a in terms of how he fits in with everyone we'll get to more of that later but yeah maybe it's not those two but i think the point is d we've got several guys who can do this Anthony Davis and LeBron James were the third and fourth leading scorers in a huge playoff win against the best home team in the league. This is, I don't want to call it the best case scenario for the Lakers, but it's pretty damn close. Mm -hmm. Outside of LeBron and AD, they don't have a ton of guys who have a lot of playoff experience. This was Austin Reeves' first playoff game. He's a second-year player who was an undrafted free agent. Like, for him to sort of come under fire in this way and in the last five minutes it wasn't three or four possessions guys in the last five minutes of a critical opening playoff game that the lakers rightfully felt like we should win this game but it's close it's close austin and i put this in my recap that that's up at lakers.com right now but austin then had his hands on 12 straight Lakers points. He passed the ball to Rui for an open three-pointer on that behind-the-back pass, right? So Rui hits his fifth fifth three in the half after hitting four in a row in the last four minutes of the third quarter. Rui hits his fifth three. To set the stage just really quickly, Memphis had cut the lead to two again. Rui hits a three. Lakers are up five. Then Austin goes on his own nine point run. It's not a nine oh run because Memphis was getting some buckets over that. But the lead went from two to eight. And Austin had nine points of his own and an assist to Rui for a three. LeBron basically was inbounding the ball and 
or D'Lo was inbounding the ball or getting a rebound. And they were all just basically finding Austin Reeves to give Austin Reeves the ball <laughs> in order to set double high screens with D'Lo and Anthony Davis while LeBron sat weak side. And <laughs> the fact that the Lakers, just to put this into perspective, the fact that the Lakers were able to run offense through Austin Reeves when D'Lo and AD and LeBron were on the court and get good shot after good shot. And Austin kept making the defense pay. Unreal. And, and D, and D, who's the defensive big on those pick and rolls? It's Jaron Jackson oh, Jr. It's right. It's Jaron Jackson saying? Jr. Right? right. Yes. And so it's like all of that. You've got all of this high end top 75 talent. D'Lo is a top two pick on the other end. You got Jaron Jackson Jr. Who's a top five guy himself. Who's he's going to win defensive player of the year. <laughs> Jaron right. Jackson Jr. is going to win defensive player of the year. And that's what a pick and roll matchup is right in that type of circumstance that you're describing. It's really the guy with the ball in his hands against the big across the way. So that's about as good as it gets right there. And so to me, like, Justin Tinsley, I don't know if you guys know Justin Tinsley, but Justin's he's a great guy. ESPN. Yes. So yeah. he works at ESPN and he has this great 221 um theory around playoff basketball. Okay. The 221 is your best player wins you two games, your second best player wins you one game, and then some role player or random, you know, third option type guy wins you one game. And mm. ultimately, that's how you win a playoff series. It's just like if you're going to win a series, your two be your best guy gets you two, your next best guy gets you one. And if you can do that over and over and over again, you're, you're going to win a ton of playoff basketball mm. games. So in game one. We already talked about AD and, and AD's defensive presence was really like unreal in this game. But this was a game where LeBron nor AD, they didn't have to go for 30. AD didn't have to have that 35 and 15 game. LeBron didn't have to go for 38, 8 and 8 with zero turnovers and, and like this, this unreal performance. He got to camp weak side for five consecutive minutes. And I'm at a loss for words, which is unreal for me to say that, right? Like the guy who's always freaking talking. Well, we better, we better take a break if you're at a loss for words. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot... 
Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. I don't remember which pot it was, guys, but we had discussed, I think it was two pots ago, we were talking about the LeBron and AD balance, and essentially AD being the guy and LeBron just having a little bit of that percentage transfer over to AD. But in in previous discussions we've had, some of that can also transfer to Austin Reeves or D'Angelo Russell, like from an offensive standpoint, Mm -hmm. where, and this is a big difference between the 1920 team and this team, in terms of you can very confidently give the ball to Austin, you know, or to D'Lo in certain actions, and LeBron can involve himself in other ways, and they can take on um, not necessarily the the center of the defense in terms of what the opponent game plan was, and really eat in those contexts. Mm-hmm. And and I what I love that about LeBron's game um, is that he didn't force the action towards himself um, too often. Uh, he did like. Th- there were some parts where he got a little bit sloppy and, you know, he Darius likes to talk about sometimes how when, when LeBron hasn't played in a little bit, you know, there's some of that this season that has happened. He did have five turnovers to five assists, but you know, he, I want to get this in there. He had three blocks and two steals. And mm-hmm. remember what we were talking about. If he can just save some of the, some of that offensive usage, trying to go at a guy like Dylan Brooks, let Austin do that. Let D'Lo do it. The defense is not ready for it, nor expecting Because guess what? LeBron's still on the floor. It's not like you're just going to just let him chill and let him sit there. You still have to kind of be always aware of him out there. And I, I just love that as a, as, a, um, as a sign for what could, could happen in a playoff run for this team. Not to say that LeBron isn't still going to have to do his traditional LeBron stuff from time to time and clear out and like take his defender on as he did to get Schroeder the three um, in the Minnesota game. But that just was something I thought was important in this game. And when it was working, they kept going to it instead of LeBron being like, no, no, no. Like, we're going back to call number one here. It shows the degree that this is a reimagined Lakers team, particularly on the offensive end. And I do think that this game was somewhat of a harbinger of, even if we, if we go a good deal further, that of how it might look, especially on the offensive end, of it being spread out a little bit more of Austin and D'Lo, like in the 2020 run, Pickup Hoop had a great tweet where there was only one player other than LeBron and AD to score 20 points in that championship run. And that was Rondo in one of the games against Houston. Rui and Austin did that today, right? And D'Lo was just one point behind at 19. And so that distribution and changing of LeBron's role into that more of a spot-up shooter, more of a cutter, I think more of a big man and post player, I think that's a reflection of what this offense can be. I also just delight in it, D, because I remember the first regular season games of this season where it was like... They shoot like they've got a a voodoo doll of themselves that's got pins being stuck in it, like wide open swing, swing threes like we were cracking up on the other day. Right. The great shots. And now it's like, oh, man, we've got offense all over the place. The 128 in Memphis, man, that's that's a serious number. It definitely is. And it was padded a bit at the end when Memphis was like going for shots and AD got like leak out dunks or whatever. But. The di- so the difference in the game was probably closer to to eight or ten or whatever, and like the last 
six points of that 18 point win or a 16 point win like it was just it it was just tacking it on right the thing about the thing that i was thinking about when both of you were what we're talking and the idea of lebron and usage the thing is though guys is that memphis is still going to have to defend him with one of their best perimeter defenders right and so when Austin was cooking, they decided, well, we're going to put Bane on him, right? And Jaw was out, and so Tyus Jones was then on D, uh, was on D'Lo. And so what the Lakers were doing is, is they were trying to get a switch, where to get Tyus on to Austin, and then then run the second pick and roll with AD and involving Tyus Jones, right? Which is an easier player to screen and smaller and less back pressure and a lot of different stuff. But when LeBron is camping weak side, it's not like he's got Aldama on him or Tyus Jones is on LeBron. Nope, it's still Dylan Brooks. And so one of the important things that when Pete, when, when you said, well, LeBron is still on the court, it's like, yes, and as long as he's on the court, He's going to require the sort of defensive attention of a Dylan Brooks or whoever their first or top, like either their first or second best defensive player, uh, like on the wing, Pete, it's going to be on LeBron because he's still LeBron James. And and if they divert their attention more so to a D'Angelo Russell or an Austin Reeves or a Dennis Schroeder, what's LeBron going to do then? Oh, and then he's going to go right to like, oh, my turn now again. And that's how, and that's, that is that difference, Mike, between this team and, and uh, the last team. It's, it's the idea that the Lakers have enough diversity offensively in order to punish teams in ways that they simply didn't before. Now, to me, today, that was a bit outsized because Rui was amazing mm-hmm. and Austin was amazing. Um, I want to do get into like D'Lo for a second here though too because his first three shots like he just missed them like Mm -hmm. and he missed his first shot pretty badly again and then like a couple of open threes and open mid-range and and suddenly there's talking about like oh well he shot this against Memphis in the playoffs last season and it's sort of just like are there demons there too he's got Minnesota demons and now he's got Memphis demons and it's just like well those demons went away after that first shift. I thought D'Lo played a cool, calm, and collected game, started to knock down his jumper, was managing himself well in the pick and roll, and just settled into things into a nice rhythm and 19 points. And I thought all of the secondary and and even third option ball handling stuff that he was doing was critical in its own way even though he wasn't like getting the loud baskets the way that Rui and and Austin were I thought I thought Delo's production was critical as well and and so I didn't want to go a whole pod without talking about him some particularly after his performance against the Wolves where he got a lot of flack I thought for his shooting that game yeah seven assists and two turnovers and as Austin Reeves pointed out after the game he had eight assists in the Minnesota game even when he wasn't playing his game so he's he's found ways to be helpful uh, and I thought he was especially helpful in this one. Once the tide had started to turn a little bit away, remember the Lakers took a 10 point lead in the first quarter and then Memphis chipped away at it pretty quickly. And he had a couple of tough jumpers. He had a couple like right when the crowd was swelling, um, just cr- crowd quieters. 
And those were big. Those were big to keep the Lakers afloat um, in that sense. And and now I got to return to Rui for a second here because he was obviously a big focus after the game. You know, when somebody comes on and matches the all-time Laker bench total of points in a postseason game, which shout out to my guy, Michael Thompson. Um, I will be getting his thoughts on this. Uh, and I'll have to put it up on Instagram or something. And with t- like 29 points, 11 for 14, five to six from three, all five threes come in the second half. And after the game, Rui said a couple of things like one, since he's gotten here, everybody has been very supportive and encouraging and it's made him feel comfortable and confident. That's great. Uh, That's great. But he said he's been talking with Phil Handy specifically about where he's going to be getting some shots uh, when he plays in certain lineups. And not that it's like a super complicated point, but Phil's basically like you have to be ready to take the three. Teams are going to back off of you because they're they're not going to want to leave certain areas of the court. One, because they know you can drive. They know you can get to the mid-range. Two, especially if you're out there with LeBron and AD. And especially when you're in certain lineups instead of Vanderbilt. By the way, they just, Jackson Jr. just completely left him alone uh, in the corner. Mm-hmm. And as, now with Rui, with a three, even if it's, it's not going to go five for six every day. But it just gives them such a different dimension without losing any size. Like with gaining size. Yep. That is so big to be able to like have Memphis now look at this tape for three days thinking, oh man, like Rui Hachimura, he was going to be a problem even if he wasn't hitting threes. But now that he is, it's a, it's a huge boon for the team. And I didn't know that. I didn't know. I don't think, think it's the smartest thing that Bain after the game. I think Darius, you sent me this quote first, but one of us did. Tim McMahon tweeted, Bain had a quote on asked about Rui. It's probably the best game of his career. It's a seven game series. Let's see if he can do it again Wednesday. So that like that's true. Sure. And he probably won't. But there's no reason. This is the reason why guys try not to say stuff in that context, because it just sounds a little chesty. And it gets it's the kind of thing that that uh, I don't think helps from a Rui sees that LeBron sees that AD sees that and they're just going to lean into it more and be that much more competitive and that much more attentive um, to it. So I I wanted to throw that in there. But uh, what a game for Rui Hachimura, whom the Lakers got out of Washington when he was a minus four net rating on the season. Put him in this role that that waned for a little bit until LeBron got back and and look where he is today. Um, Just, you know, couldn't have been much better today. Rui, oh man, I every once in a while I'll I'll fall for a player and it like it's very cool. I think try to think of his basketball experience, his NBA experience in particular, and being drafted by Washington and and coming to the Lakers, having those conversations with LeBron, which LeBron has touched on a bit in his post games, and then the ones like the one that you just referenced with Phil Handy, Mike, these are I mean, can you get better advice on how to be a quality playoff basketball player than from having conversations over and over again with LeBron James? Can you get better advice from a player development guy than Phil Handy? And just the level of experience and just getting to know Rui's game, his level of want to, and he is consistently, he plays hard. He's got skills. He knows who he is. Um, he's still learning, of course, but it's. I feel like we're watching him blossom, D, and I think part of that is just the environment, him having a degree of structure, a degree of of, uh, of wisdom, I think, in the, the players and people, and he brings so much of what we need, especially the pairing with LeBron. I love the point that Mike made about Phil Handy um, because if you watch when the Lakers go into timeouts – 
you'll watch Phil walk <clears throat> up to Rui and pull him aside before the team, before everyone gets to the bench. So everyone else is walking to, to the bench and Phil will pull Rui mm-hmm. to the side Happens before Rui gets a chance to sit down and he will point some things out, out to him. And you could just tell that, that I'm always interested to see who, who handy in not invest his time in because he's everyone's coach. Right. But when I see Handy working a specific player out before the game, it's always interesting to me because I think that those are guys where it's just like, oh, this guy is a guy that Phil can like lift up a little bit. I mean, even on social media, Phil has talked about his intrigue with Rui and how highly he thinks of him. So he's obviously sparked his interest. And so to Mike's point, and this is where like that thing I mentioned earlier about 221 and or or two one one sorry with like the Rue in the Austin game right like that came in this game fantastic things do sort of need to reset now like I'm all for riding high I'm all for building on momentum and I hope that all of these guys can can carry this forward but the Lakers and we'll talk about this more in the coming pods but the Lakers are up one zero now. 1-0 isn't a place to go into a crouch. It's a time to mm-hmm. basically put your foot on the gas That's right. even more and find um, exploitable advantages to keep going after. It's also a time to re-examine all of the places where you needed to be better and try to fine-tune yeah. those, those things as well. I know we've got a few minutes left in this pod, and I don't want to end on a dour note, but the Lakers are going to need to figure out some of those non-AD minutes. Like Mike mentioned that um, AD was a plus 27 in this game. The Lakers didn't win by 28 points or 27 points or even 24 points, right? And so that means when AD was off the court, the Lakers lost by a considerable margin. And you can't expect that margin to be that big every single game and still have you win. Right. And so some of the things that I'm thinking about and some of this happened when Rui was on the court as well. And and so like the Lakers are going to need to find ways to slow Jaron Jackson Jr. like in the post. And are they going to have to go to different lineups? Can they continue to play this small? Wenyon, Wenyon got token minutes at the end of the blowout, but he didn't play in the meaningful portion of the game. Mobamba didn't play at all. The Lakers, um, I thought, Pete struggled in those minutes where LeBron played center and and they didn't quite find the right perimeter groupings, I don't think, around LeBron and Rui in order to support that group in the way where they could remain as competitive as they needed to be. And so obviously it didn't cost the Lakers this game. They still won and, and they hung tough and hit enough shots in those stretches where it worked out. But I'm looking for better in the upcoming games from in those portions of the game because this isn't a time to rest on their laurels either. They 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 need to find ways to win those portions of the game too yeah. because it may not be that they win all those minutes when AD is on the floor. I'll save the specifics for our next pod, but that's part of what I'm encouraged by, Mike, in how this went is that there's room to grow. There, I don't have the expectation that we shoot like that in game two. With that said, this team has the capability of shooting like that. And that's something that this won't be the last time I think that we have a game where it may, maybe Dennis a different time. It may be maybe Troy or Malik, right? You don't know who it's going to be, but 
I think they have that capability. That said, there was a lot of meat left on the bone in a lot of areas, Mike, that leaves room for encouragement and with Ja at the very least hobbled if he plays, if not out altogether. This is the time to go for that 2-0 lead. Like, you know, it's not, this isn't, I, you, you have a great understanding of like kind of the ebb and flow and this is normally the get back game. Would you agree that this is a, actually you got to go for it and go for 2-0, right? It's not the, oh, you know, be happy that you got one and come back home with a split. I think they have a great opportunity to win game two. Well, the word that a lot of the Laker players have been using as they've gotten on this street, this, you know, I was going to say winning streak, but just these winning ways the last couple, since the trade deadline has been that they want to be greedy that, you know, first it was, okay, you're in the 10 seed, you know, congrats. Like now we like, we're, we want to be greedy. You want to get to the six. Okay. Well now you're actually the playing game, win the playing game, get to the first round. So now they won game two on the road. They got, they, they need to try and be greedy for sure and try to get game two. So I'll, let me represent this from sort of two different perspectives. Uh, so from a, like, outside just looking into the team so taking out of the locker room all of that the key was to get one of these two uh, at minimum you had to do that so they already did that check that's great uh that to, to be able to get it in the first game and then to return to my earlier point to be able to have an extra day to to sort of let some of that the get back mentality that memphis has to try to to now convince yourself that you need to get game two and sort of strike while things are hot um, that I, I do think that they can get the mentality shifted there. Um, their, their mindset is, is, has to be, I think, go ahead and grab it. It's just that LeBron and his specifically in AD to an extent have been in so many playoff series that it's a little bit hard to fight the human nature of Denver of, uh, I was going to say Denver Memphis has to get game two. Like they, they absolutely, they are going to lose the series if they don't get game two. So Great. they are by nature going to be more desperate. But the, that's what the Lakers, if they can kind of talk themselves into taking, like just pulling, ripping out the heart, of course they should. But we do have to remember that there are some human nature elements to this. Um, and in sort of trying to find a way to match Memphis's intensity is one. I think that by cleaning up a couple of their units, that is even maybe a better way. That's you how, know, yeah. It, you know, you know what I'm saying? By executing, by staying calm, by, by having them be the one that's a little bit frantic, like by using some of the vet savvy that LeBron will have. Uh, all of those things go into it, but it's, it's sort of a yes and no thing. It's like, yes, they should absolutely pounce on game two, but don't, don't get it twisted that um, they, they really did get done what had to get done at this point. And now they have to convince themselves that they need to get game two. Also. I hear that for me, it's more use the other team's energy against them. Use that desperation exactly. against them. Make them and go down 10 in the second quarter and start to, you know, yeah. feel little nerves on them, on them threes, you know? Yep. Mike, before the series started, you would sort of talk to us about the potential for there to be some Lakers fans in the crowd at Memphis and that, you know, it's not as much as you might find in other road arenas like in the South, but, but it is still there. And I saw, I saw a couple of, uh, I saw St. Vincent, St. Mary's, James jersey. I saw some LeBron stuff. I saw a couple LeBron fans with a three-way jersey where it was like part Lakers, part Heat, part Cavs, right? And so there are some there are some fans down down there. And one of the things that I noticed at the end of the game when a lot of the Memphis fans were shuttling out because it was it ended in a blow with a blowout score is there were some fans that were still there and those were the Lakers 
fans. Yep. And so one of the things that I'm looking forward to in, in this next game is seeing if they can carve that out a little bit still, Pete, and and sort of use that. And it's just like, it's us in there. And we've got some of y'all with us too in the crowd and sort of ride that as well, because that desperation that Memphis is, is going to show, I do think that, that you turn that on them a little bit and make them feel it. And then in those quiet moments, those moments where Austin hit a big, sh- and you, we saw some of those in this game, they won't be all quiet. You'll hear some faction of Lakers fans in there yep. cheering. And then you'll see some folks on the Memphis side being like, wait, what happened? This is a playoff away. game. And so that's sort of what I'm looking for. I'm not predicting that. I'm saying that's what I'm looking for because that's the way that you are greedy, Pete. We have, this team has a tidal wave at their backs if they know how to harness it, right? All of the the failure and angst and frustration and missed opportunity and feeling like you never got the opportunity. I know LeBron and AD are like, hey, we haven't been available and they haven't been since 2020 combined with a massive roster turnover of players that fit skill set wise and just a, a general swell right to to everything that's going on when you combine that with the road energy of those fans that you were just talking about like this team can win the NBA championship this year i'm not saying that they will or that it's likely or anything like that but i don't th- that idea has seemed so far gone and and like impossible for so long laughable Laughable. almost laughable and so that whole i hope this team dares to dream of what they're capable of and every time they talk about this they seem to feel fairly convicted about this point and so i think it's more us as fans you know changing that oh crap this team could be might be mike but they just they had to win this game i think for that you know if it's just it's such a different even if they played really well and they just didn't end up getting the result, that it's harder. It's just harder to get that. And this, I think that of all, for all of these reasons, what what these last two seasons have been, for them to come out and get the result any way or shape that they could was huge for them. And you're right, Pete, like that's the start of the potential of a wave at least. And that is how far that goes and how big that wave is, is going to be informed by the work that they put in. And so we'll be back tomorrow to break down the game a lot more from an X's and O's type standpoint, uh, do our rewatches and whatnot, come back tomorrow with our observations. But until then, you've been listening to the Laker Film Room Podcast. We'll catch you guys next time. Baines has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tips to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic, got it. Magic fires. It's good. They win. Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Rebound is lying. Three seconds left. That next to the winner. It's on the way. Good. Kobe Bryant, 48 points, 16 rebounds. Shot with his eighth block shot that ties an NBA Finals record. A lot of Laker fans okay, sticking so around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe, hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the move. Two, one. Listen. 
Seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic trying to disrupt Rondo. He puts it in. Here's Davis. 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble. And banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters.